is JudoCast. We go to the mat and beyond with some of the most prominent minds in judo. Please welcome your host, a two-time Pan American champion, entrepreneur, and judo enthusiast, Chuck Jefferson. Our next guest is Toshihiko Yamada, who was recently selected as the sport manager for the judo program at the 2021 Olympic Games in Tokyo. His selection comes from a lifetime of multifaceted experiences in the world of judo. Beginning as a young boy at just five years old, he went on to win Japanese national championships at junior high, high school, and college levels before graduating from Tokai University in Kanagawa. After multiple senior national championship medals, he tore his ACL his senior year of college. This led him to change his focus from competition to coaching. He was immediately given opportunities to coach abroad, first in Turkey, and later he was hired to coach the SJSU Judo program in San Jose, California. Upon his return to Japan after several years abroad, he soon found himself working directly for his former sensei and Olympic Judo champion Yasuhiro Yamashita who was the director of education for the International Judo Federation at that time. He later went on to become the head coach and a professor at Ruto Gakuen, where he was coaching many great champions, including 2021 Japanese Olympic team member Aaron Wolf, who will be representing Japan next summer in the under 100 kilogram division. In today's conversation, we're going to discuss the Japanese judo system, a world-renowned system for producing champions. How does this happen? This system is the subject of conversation around the world, a system that is heavily discussed but never replicated. You will hear about the system that works like a well-oiled machine, grooming kids from one level to the next, middle school, high school, and university judo programs to professional teams and eventually national teams where the country's most elite judoka earn the right to represent their country. Later in the episode, we will talk about how Japan still sees the importance of spreading judo around the world, just as Dr. Jigoro Kano had envisioned. This love and desire to see judo grow does not come without challenges. In recent years, Japan has struggled to maintain membership levels. We will discuss some of the challenges they are facing as a country and talk a little bit about what they are trying to do to solve the problem. Mr. Yamada will then close out the conversation telling us who he's excited to see compete next summer. He will then offer some parental advice as he and his wife Megumi are trying to raise three judo kids in their family. Please welcome the JudoCast, Mr. Toshihiko Yamada. Mr. Yamada, thank you so much for joining me. It is an absolute pleasure for you to be on my podcast. It's been uh, many years since we've been able to see each other, and it is uh, great to see your face and to to hear your voice. And uh, again, I, I really want to thank you for spending your time to uh, come on to the podcast. Thank you, Chuck, for inviting me this opportunity. So I'm really glad to see you again. I can remember the good time with you all <laughs> in San Jose. I want to start from the... From the very beginning, how do you do? You remember how old you were when you started judo? Ah, uh, yes, when I was four years old, so I started to practice judo. So at the time, I was a student of the nursing school, like I mean, kindergarten in Japan. So then I was really active, and I don't, I didn't like have a nap at the time. So of course, the teachers made me to sleep. But uh, I wanted to wake up and then play around. Right. So then one day, so my uh, close friend uh, left from the school. I asked, uh, I asked my friend, why? So you could escape from the nap. <laughs> he, he said, <laughs> judo. What? Wow. What judo is? I didn't know what judo is. 
at the time. But and then, so when I come back to my house and I ask my parents, I want to play judo. Then they are so surprised. So as a young boy, did you find enjoyment in judo? Was it something that was fun? I know it's obviously it's very hard, but did you enjoy the practice? Yep. And then actually, actually, uh, judo practice was uh, nighttime. Okay. So, so I couldn't exit from the nap. Uh. <laughs> Even I started to practice judo though. But uh, I think I had a, a lot of energy at the time. So use those energies and the energy and then in the night, at the night. So after I enjoyed the practice, so I could sleep well. So I <laughs> think so in the, in the beginning, so my feeling was like that. So do you remember so, a time in your childhood when when judo became something that was was very serious? You know, we all hear about stories like yours of kids in Japan that start judo when they're really young. I myself started judo very young just by luck, but at some point it seems like in Japan there's this great system that kind of pushes you right through. Did you fall into that system or did you personally love judo and want to chase judo or were coaches and senseis kind of guiding you along the way? Uh, actually, my uh, judo club was not uh, like a strong one, like famous one. That's why usually they just enjoy practicing judo. Not like a special, I mean, uh, elite athlete course. They don't, they didn't have it. Right. But uh, uh, when I was uh, fourth grade, too, so at the time, so teacher came from other uh, teams. So, and he was so strict, as you can imagine, the Japanese traditional way to <laughs> treat a student. Right. But uh, however, so I could feel his passion. So he wanted me to be a good player. And I was not only a player, but I was a good student. Then at the time, I, fortunately, I had a big body. I could win the regional or local tournament at the time. So then I thought, okay, so I want to keep practicing judo. <laughs> so this is in maybe fourth grade, you said. How, how often were you practicing judo when you were in fourth grade? At the time, I did uh, twice a week. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the next level, so a lot of times we hear the stories of the Japanese judo players that kind of take judo very serious, maybe starting in middle school, I assume. is that Was that the case for you? Yes, and then of course I uh, continue to practice at the judo club. Also, my so, sensei asked me to go to the high school near my city, near my junior high school. And also the, he introduced me to the one of the uh, strong strongest high school in the prefecture. Then I went there on Saturday. Since I was uh, junior high, <laughs> practice time to the so, hardest one. <laughs> right. So all of these years have passed. Do you still keep in touch or do you have any contact with some of your original senseis? Are they still around? Yes. As I said, uh, he was very strict. So, so when I was a junior high school student, so I get tense. Even just right. speak with him, right? But now I can, <laughs> I, I can so speak normally. Yeah, but he he must be proud of of all the accomplishments that you've made and you've turned. Because as a judo sensei now, I think our goals in in judo change as we get older. And now I think the biggest goal for a judo sensei is to turn somebody into a lifetime judoka. So when your yeah. sensei sees you after all of these years still doing big things in the sport of judo, it must, you know, make your sensei very proud. Yeah, I, I believe so. So that's why uh, 
So he always asked me so to call him. So when I come back to my hometown, I can have a good time with him right, right now. So so what was uh, what was training like when you get into high school? This is when things get, I assume, very serious. You're practicing judo every day, pretty much, maybe doing multiple practices per day. Is that the case when you were in high school? Yes. So I went to the Tokai Sagami High School. So uh, alumni are like Mr. Yamashita. Right. Yasuhiro Yamashita. And then Kosei Inoue. Yes. He's uh, my junior. So those uh, one of the strongest university, uh, high school. In Japan. Then uh, when I was a junior high school student, so Mr. Yamasha came to my hometown to recruit me. So that's why I decided to go to that high school. So then, so it's uh, kind of far from my hometown. My hometown is Okayama Prefecture next to Hiroshima. Uh, Tokai High School, Sagami High School is next to Tokyo in Kanaga Prefecture. Right. So of course I uh, left my hometown and so I had to take care of myself. I actually trained at Tokai Sagami High School maybe oh, really? when you were in San Jose. I don't remember the exact year, but uh, I was training at Tokai University and we went a couple of times into uh, to train with the Tokai Sagami team. And even as a grown man, maybe 25 years old, the high school kids at Tokai Sagami are on a different level. I mean, it's they were they were very, very strong. Not like an average, you know, not like an American high school kid. It's hard to compare, but... I think that the training starts at such an early age as far as serious training goes that Japanese judo players are able to get really strong at a much younger age than you see in other places around the world. Yeah, right. Uh, Sagami High School produced Ryunosuke uh, Haga and then Naosa Takato, the world champions. Yeah. And then Takeshi Ojitani, the All Japan Open Category champions. So those many champions. That's a day recruit a good players. All over the Japan. Right. Then they have brought their dojo, then train. So can you explain yeah, just a little bit the high school? I know there's Tokai Sagami, but is it is there other Tokai high schools around the country? I think now 13 or 14 high schools. Wow. Yes, yeah. And all of those high schools pretty much feed into Tokai University. Uh, good prayers, yes. In the high school, we'll be recruited to the Tokai University. Wow. Yes. Key point of the Tokai University. Dr. Jigoro Kano always had the goal of spreading judo around the world to produce better people that will make a positive impact and contribution to society. He sent his original instructors around the world to teach judo over a hundred years ago. His vision is still alive today. Japan has continued its tradition of cultural exchanges to countries around the globe. Our world seems so big in some ways, but judo makes our world feel small. Most every judoka has some connection to Japan. Those connections are usually through an exchange program, or more commonly, we've had Japanese senseis that have come to our clubs. Whether it's through a connection from our coach that learned judo in Japan, or a sensei that just came to visit our club. At my alma mater of San Jose State University, there's always been a tradition of having Japanese coaches. This is how I met Mr. Yamada, and that tradition rings true today as the head coach at San Jose State is Mr. Kosuke Tanaka, a graduate of the famed Tsukuba University in Japan. In the next part of our discussion, Mr. Yamada will share his experiences of teaching judo around the world, from everything from a local judo club to helping train an Olympic champion in Turkey. For someone like you, you started judo as a little boy, you went into middle school, you fed into Tokai Sagami, which feeds into Tokai University. 
which obviously connects you with the best of the best, right? You have the best coaches at the time. Maybe you don't even realize, but you were recruited. <laughs> you're recruited by Mr. Yamashita, you know, one of the most famous judo players in the world. And to you, this is just just your sensei, you know. So that, the the fact that you have such amazing judo players surrounding you is what creates all of this success in Japan. But on top of that. The most important thing is that you guys, as a country, continue to spread judo around the world. And、mm-hmm. I always look at ways and things that make judo special, and I think that it's it's unique compared to a lot of other sports out there. And I think it goes all the way back to Jigoro Kano and sending his students to spread judo around the world. And I think that Japan still has that same system that led to all kinds of different opportunities for you. That a lot of people in America, like small judo countries, you look at this with envy and say, "Wow, this is really great." So, upon your retirement from competition, you were able to go to Turkey, I believe. Is that where you first went to Turkey?、Mm-hmm. Can you can you share with us your experience and how you ended up in Turkey and how long you were there and what you were what you were doing? Actually, when I was a graduate school student in Tokyo University, so Mr. Sato, the sensei of Mr. Yamashita, asked me if I have a, I'm, I'm, I was interested in、uh, going abroad to teach and learn the、um, exchange culture. And also, after those experiences,、so、he wants me to be a, a judo sports administrator. Okay. So then at the time, my dream was to be a like, teacher or a judo instructor. So, like my sensei did to me. At the time, I didn't think about that going to <laughs> like Turkey or USA. But he gave me that, this、uh, idea. And then also, he、uh, promised me the, give me,、uh, giving me the opportunity. Then at the time, so Japan Foundation. Sent、uh, experts, not only judo, but also other sports and also the, like、uh, cultural things. So then I was chosen、uh, as one of the experts to、uh, be sent to the Turkey, nominated by All Japan Judo Federation. I got that chance and opportunity. Then I went to Turkey. But at the time, actually, I didn't know where Turkey is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of language they speak. I was a judoka, so so I just need a judogi. There you go, the international <laughs> language. So,、yes. like I, I've done a little bit of you know a lot of research around the world on the growth and the popularity of judo, and I remember a lot of your stories when you were in San Jose with us talking about some of the great experiences that you had in Turkey. Now it seems that Turkish judo is very strong. There's there's a lot of strong.、Mm-hmm. And it seems like they have. I, I think the numbers say they have 140,000 practicing judoka in Turkey. But I remember it a little、yeah. different. So I think is it possible the growth has been in recent years? Could you tell us what what judo was like when you arrived there in the early 90s? Yes, uh, uh, 97. 97. 97. I went to Turkey. Yes. Now、uh, at the time, Turkey is judo is like funded by the Japanese sensei. Like you said,、uh, Japanese Judo Federation or Kodokan sent、uh, uh, judo expert to Turkey. That's why when I was there, many sensei said, well, "My sensei is Yoshimura sensei." Oh, really? My sensei is Yoshimura sensei. They not,、uh, said the、uh, Japanese sensei's name. Wow. So, but at the time, it was、uh, right after the Soviet Union. 
was broken up, then like uh, Georgia or Azerbaijan, they had a uh, uh, economically had a difficult time. That's why some uh, good players uh, changed uh, their nationality to Turkey. Right. So then uh, also the Chechen Republic. So still the Chechen Republic is in Russia, right? Right. But uh, those good players, but they know uh, how to manage uh, sports activity very well. Then some carry uh, or medically. Of course, uh, how to do good training. But, uh, in Turkey, compared with a uh, former Soviet Union, it's so different. That's right. why those good players had a uh, difficult time in Turkey in the beginning. Then I was there, so I uh, worked for the national team in Turkey. So uh, the relationship between those players and real Turkish were not so good at the time. I, I see. So I tried to of course, teach all of them. And then Turkish people has a good uh, feeling to Japanese. They're really nice to Japanese people. So they are, uh, from the beginning, so they have really welcomed me. As a guys in the beginning, mm, they are like, what mm, kind of this guy? They have Yamada to check is. you out first. <laughs> <laughs> but after we spend them, um, so the good practice and many times, and then we have to really have, uh, create a good relationship. And then now it's being yeah, continued. So at the time, the, the national team in Turkey at that time, was it well-funded like for, for the athletes to go to tournaments or, or were, they, were they supporting their athletes in a good way at that time? Yeah, they did. But uh, sometimes, so uh, they suddenly stopped. Oh, okay, players are preparing the tournament or we could go into Japan, Shoriki Cup or something. Yeah. And then I was waiting in Japan. And then, okay, tomorrow I will leave for, okay, I'm waiting in Japan. Okay, then suddenly stopped. Oh, no. <laughs> so it just happened. So, so even in Turkey, you, know, you had some amazing athletes that you worked with. I know that you worked with Tartoglu, was the heavyweight. Yes. Uh, four-time yeah. uh, world medalist. And of course, Ozkan, who ended up becoming the Olympic champion in 2000 in 66 kilos, right? Yes. And were, I, I know... Oskan, I think he came from Chechnya also in the early '90s, right? And and I don't I don't yeah. know about uh, Tartoglu. Is he the same or yeah, same. the same? Yes. So these guys were buddies same. and maybe training partners or well, maybe not training partners. Sixty six and, and heavyweight, right? <laughs> right. So how could you compare like the work ethic and the training that Oskan at this time when he was in Turkey? You know, compared to like the Japanese team at that time, what kind of training methodologies was it different or? Similar? Unfortunately, uh, in Turkey, so they couldn't have enough opportunity to practice. So, but at the time, we had many national camp. We gather many prayers, national prayers. So then uh, Ozkan could have a uh, good practice. But uh, usually, uh, he works at a uh, uh, regional private club. Right. Then, and then but Ozkan is uh, right with category, so he could have a partner to work out. But a uh, tatalogu, you know, he's like bear. Yeah. So tough to find partners. He's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's uh, putting partner. It's a big tube. Okay. Big tube. Wow. Yeah. So you were there thinking yeah. you were just going to coach, but then you got there and you had to be a training partner, also, right? Right. 
So, so you spent, uh, how, how long were you in Turkey? One year. I was going to stay there for three months in the beginning. So, but uh, Takeshi Zofenesha asked me to uh, stay longer. Then Japan Foundation allowed me to stay in total one year. So after you left Turkey, you found your way to San Jose State, and this is where our paths crossed. And I know your time in San Jose State, it was hard. I mean, you were learning English working a job as well as teaching judo. So your experiences as a coach in San Jose, I think they parallel judo players in the United States. You know, everyone has to work. Everyone goes to school. They're saving money while trying to travel the world to compete. I think that the experience that you gained in Turkey and then here in the United States for a few years, you've gained the wealth of knowledge that not too many people have. And these experiences have created the judoka you are today. And you know your rich history of understanding of the Japanese judo system combined with your travels around the world give you the ability to understand our sport on a global level. And you've made a positive impact on so many people around you, around the world. And you've definitely made a positive impact for a lot of people in my immediate world and those of us that went to school together while you were there coaching. Thank you, Jack. Yes, uh, I believe so too. Yeah, those experiences so changed my life, and then so uh, make my life rich. So, right, and then because I could, uh, I had the, the uh, experience for teaching the so top level, and also the children, the right. right. So this is really, I uh, still I believe, the uh, very important for my life. So. Yeah. So I want to move on and talk a little bit more about post-coaching. I mean, I know you've always been coaching, but you got more involved in the administrative side of things. So when you left the United States, this must be around 2001 or something? 2002. And so when you went back to Japan, I understand you were working directly under Mr. Yamashita, who was the director of education for the International Judo Federation at the time. Is that right? And then also, uh, when I came back from the United States, Japan. I work for the education, Ryotokuji Educational Group. Our group has uh, one university and one medical college. And then, but our chairman is, I mean, loves judo. So he uh, owns own judo team at for the top level judo team. So then I become the head coach of that team. Then in uh, 2003, Mr. Yamashita, uh, became a education coaching director in the IJF. So then he asked me to help him. So as his assistant or secretary. So I worked for him for four years. And you're traveling as the world secretary. going to all the big judo events all over the world. Yeah, I could have that experience. <laughs> right. Again, like I was saying earlier, I think that one of the unique things with the Japanese judo system is its ability to share. And that's something that all of us, you know, even people like me, like I learned judo from an American man that learned judo in Japan. So my (laughs) sensei was in the Marines, you know, stationed in different places in Japan, lived in Okinawa for a couple of years. And so he learned Japanese judo and he brought this back. And this is a similar story for a lot of people like me that grew up doing Mm -hmm. judo in Japan. There's a couple of different ways. A lot of Japanese immigrants that came to the United States started judo clubs in cultural centers. And then there's a lot of people at like YMCA's and community centers, like my sensei, that were American military that learned judo in Japan and then came back. And that's when judo was kind of 
I think flourishing the most in the United States, like the 60s and the 70s were the numbers of, you know, enrollments and there was the most judo players at that time because of the influence mm-hmm. of a lot of the, the Japanese immigrants coming here, retired military, you know, that were active in judo at that time. But in addition to that, Japan still sends people away. And I wanted to see if you can tell us a little bit about the Japanese Judo Federation, or maybe it's somebody different from the Federation, but there must be some sort of goal to continue to send people around the world. Can you tell us a little bit how that works if you're a Japanese Judo player and you you're picked or maybe you choose to to travel? Uh, as you know, the Mr. Jigoro Kano, Master Jigoro Kano, as you said, uh, uh, he all, after he uh, established Judo, so right after, so he sent his uh, student to every road to spread out the judo all over the world. And then he says, Jita uh, Kyoe, the mutual welfare, not only for Japanese, but also for world. Right. So, so that's why judoka has uh, this mind, I think, I believe. So that's why, of course, uh, I'm Japanese and then, uh, but uh, when, I, when I was in Turkey or when I was in the United States, I really worked for the Turkey judo, the so American judo. At the time, I wanted to I to beat Japanese judo right. <laughs> as your coach. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so so uh, one time, so uh, we were in uh, Munich for the World Championship in 2001, I think. So after them, Ali Mogados, my colleague in yeah. San Jose, we were there together. Right. And then Ali suddenly said, Toshi, oh, over there, you see the Japanese sensei, Japanese coach for like Canada or for some country, for other countries, oh, like this. So we are talking about, oh, it's Japanese. Like you said, oh, Japanese guys are so amazing because uh, you guys are saying that Japanese people to make so they are, I mean, Japanese rivals strong them, right? Right. Make stronger. Oh, they like you. Oh, me? Me too? Right. Yeah. <laughs> At the time, so I didn't think like this. So Ali mentioned about that. So, ah, oh, right. Then I realized how this is a way Mr. Jigoro Kano started and then taught us. That's why now still we keep this tradition. And uh, also, uh, please. Yeah, no, I think that that's something that makes judo special. I think that's something that really separates judo from from everything that I've seen out there. You know, and and even from other martial arts, because in America, like when you mention judo or martial arts, like I think that the general public is a little bit kind of uh, misinformed. You know, they think there's mm-hmm. some kind of secret. Like, oh, you know, a secret, and you can do this or you can do that. But what judo has taught us all that, you know, even the best of the best, you know, the, the Japanese judo system and the, the Japanese judo players are clearly statistically, you know, the best judo players in the world, and they don't have secrets. They're willing to share their system. They're willing to share their, their training. They're willing to invite you to their home and show you everything yeah. they do. And all it's done is it's grown judo to this, you know, massive thing around the world where everyone has this shared and mutual respect just as Dr. Kano you know, envisioned. In the next segment, we're going to talk about the growth of judo and some of the problems that Japan is encountering. There's a multitude of contributing factors beginning with one of the fastest declining populations in the world. There are less kids in Japan now, and that number has been in a downward trend since 2010. 
Forecasts are estimating a loss of 20 million people over the next 30 years. Aside from population issues, Japan is facing fierce competition from other sports, including basketball and baseball and many others. The larger problem they're facing head-on right now is a problem with their image and some of the negative publicity that they've received in recent years. We're going to discuss some of those problems and what they're going to do to change for the future of judo. I talk a lot about on the podcast about the growth of judo, and judo is is struggling in many places around the country. A lot of uh, countries, including Japan, from what I understand, they're having trouble with uh, enrollment and numbers of practitioners, even places like France and Germany, places that have historically been really strong, big judo countries are having a little bit of trouble maintaining memberships and even growing. Could you share with us anything that maybe maybe the Japanese Judo Federation, I'm sure they must understand that this is happening and they have some kind of effort that they're putting in to, to try to reverse the trend and, and grow Judo within Japan? Well, the Judo is in the school education. So now in the junior high school student, I mean, junior high student, they have to practice one of the Budo martial arts. Not only judo, but usually school choose uh, judo. I mean, sixty percent of the junior high school students at junior high school choose uh, judo as a physical education. So this is at so, every junior high in the country, pretty much. Yes, but uh, they can choose karate, or sumo, or aikido, whatever. Okay. Martial arts. So, but uh, usually judo is practiced six uh, percent uh, of the junior high school junior high school. All over the Japan, but this is a good opportunity. But also, they can have uh, maybe six, I mean, seven or eight hours a year. I mean, I mean, the judo classes in the physical, okay. as a physical education, right? So it's too short, too short, yeah. To know the what judo is, and also the at the time that like we can teach. Uh, Limited method about judo. Right. You can imagine six, seven, eight hours, but we can do it. Right. Then they think maybe judo is not so interested or uh, just so ouch. <laughs> right. And then also, one more uh, bad thing is uh, in the past, so unfortunately, during the judo practice, uh, we had really serial uh, injury for neck bone or spiral. Maybe sometime a student uh, died. Right. So it's kind of the coverage uh, by the newspaper or uh, TV uh, made the judo's image negatively. Right. So this is very difficult things for judo diffusion in Japan. But uh, we really worked, I mean, all Japan Judo Federation worked uh, on how to uh, uh, make Judo safe. Uh, safe. And then also, the, as you can imagine, Judo in Japan, so, you know, how much we practice. Right. So before that time, so we didn't have a national license to teach, a national license te- teaching license. But now we have. Okay. We have a uh, so certain uh, we have to take a certain course to have a coach certificate. So the federation so, sounds like they're taking action to 
I guess, really mm-hmm. improve the education of the coaches. And it sounds like it should yeah. be easy enough to do, but there's so many judo coaches around the country. It's possible that the the lessons or the education doesn't trickle down enough to get to every coach because there's always going to be a, a bad apple out there, I guess. Yeah. It, it yeah. seems like the important thing for for the Japanese Federation is to improve their image. It's just really about coaches' education and understanding safety. And, you know, times are different, you know, with hazing, you know, the Kohai Senpai, some of the some of the things that were maybe a little bit too hard in the past. And I think the newer generation, it's a thing things are definitely different than they than they were 20, 30, 40 years ago. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think it's it's going to so, be a struggle with uh, with Japan because of the the culture of judo training is so traditional and so strong. Trying to break that mold with the older coaches is going to be tough to do. But you know, I'm sure the younger coaches have got to get in there and, and change things to you know not just save judo. I don't think judo is going anywhere, but judo could be even bigger than it is in Japan with the right uh, marketing and you know, the right education mm-hmm. system to kind of make sure that all the coaches are, are doing the right thing for the community. Yeah. And then now, uh, Mr. Yamashita is a uh, uh, president of the Old Japan Judo Federation. Of course, he, is, he used to be the uh, best, best judo player in the world, but uh, he is, doesn't want to have a just a strong player. But also, the uh, judo is uh, one of the education tools, like, like you said and I said, I explained. So that's why we really focus on that part I mean, judo federation is focused on so how to educate educate a student or young generation through judo right this is i think an important point for uh judo future i had a i actually had a nice conversation yesterday with uh vlad marinescu he's the um the director of advertising do you know him He's uh, mm-hmm. he does the marketing yes. and advertising for all the TV deals and stuff for the IJF, and he has a really good mindset with the purpose of judo and the education importance and everything. He he's very good at articulating the lessons of judo, and I think that it's nice to see that the IJF you know seems to have the right thing in mind when it comes mm-hmm. to promoting judo. Yeah, I think so too. Does does the Japanese Judo Federation work with the IJF on any kind of marketing or any kind of um, ways to grow judo? Uh, we have a, a really good uh, relationship. Mr. Yamashita and Mr. Uemura, the president of the Kodokan. Uh, both of them uh, in the executive committee in IJF. So really we have a good relationship with Mr. Bizel and they have uh, next year. So we are going to have our Olympics. We are going to host. So right. yeah, we work for that too, with IJF. Aside from all of the, the schools that judo's involved in, the middle schools and, and high schools and colleges, is could you tell us much about like a local judo club? I mean, what kind of, what percentage of judo is being done in local judo clubs with children or like maybe professional judo clubs? I know there's a few that I know of, people that maybe do judo for a living and teach judo outside of the schools. Is that a big part of the growth in judo possibly? Yes. Uh, fortunately, we have uh, many uh, local clubs all over the, the Japan. So that's I still, uh, even our number of the practitioners in judo is decreasing. Still, we have a uh, certain number. However, after they graduate from the uh, primary school, so they go to the junior high school, then we used to have uh, many judo club in junior high school. But uh, now those numbers are very small. Okay. So I uh, prayers who practice at the local club, 
ローカル道場、そう、ゴーツーザジュニアハイツ、アワーシステムイズ、フォージュニアハイスクールスチューデント、ユージャリー、ワークフォージュニアハイスクールスチューデント、ジュニアハイスクール柔道クラブ。OK。ノットローカル。That's why they lose the place to practice. I see. So this is the biggest problem we are facing now. But still,、uh, like Tokai、uh, schools or other Kokushikan or other those strong、uh, educational group has a junior high school or high school. So they recruit a good player from the local club to their junior high school team. Then they raise、uh, players、right. from junior high school to、uh, university. And unfortunately, big company has a own judo teams. Then elite judo player usually join to, I mean, goes to that、uh, team. Right. And the company likes sponsoring the players. Then they can keep concentrating to work out、right. for Olympic championships. This is, I think, a good、uh, system we,、uh, we have had. So, yeah, you have a really, a really good system to create the top level players. So, maybe the growth effort for judo in Japan is to focus a little bit more on the recreational judo player. You know, like you said, Mr. Yamashita was saying that everyone does not have to become a champion to enjoy the benefits that judo can give a human being. So, maybe if there's a more dedicated effort to keep those recreational players after primary school through middle school and even Maybe practice judo recreational in high school. Maybe you don't want to become a champion, but you still want to enjoy the sport and practice. Maybe that's the, the void that can be filled in Japan. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned it. Exactly. It's an important point. And then that's why all Japan judo federations、uh, started、uh, to host that,、uh, veterans so national championship. Yeah. So they don't need to go through the selection or primary tournament. Yeah. I mean, the veterans tournaments have been growing all over the world. I mean, not just in Japan, but the, you know, the veteran international tournament, even our veterans tournaments here in the United States、uh, have been growing significantly over the years. So, really, so I have the same opinion, you, like you said. We have to focus on not only、uh, making that、uh, Olympic champion, but also the So,、uh, many、uh, people are interested in practicing judo, even when they are like 50, 40, 50. Okay,、right. I want to start practicing judo. <laughs> so, I want to have this situation. Sure.、Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the only model we have in America, you know, recreational judo clubs. I think that we have a lot of clubs that have a lot of, you know, more recreational older athletes or athletes of all ages, and we're lacking where you guys are excelling. So, We can work together somehow to、uh, build judo because I, I really want to push an effort to grow the sport of judo in the United States. You know, and I keep talking about the 2028 Olympics are coming, and it's, you know, it's only you know, seven, eight years away that we have this amazing tournament back in Los Angeles. And, and I was there in 1984 when I, I watched、uh, Mr. Yamashita win the gold medal. Yeah, so it's、uh, very cool to see it,、um, <clears throat> see it come back. So, So, you were saying that you took a, I don't know if you took a sabbatical from your judo coaching position to take on this new role as the sport manager for judo for the Olympic Games coming up now next summer. Can you tell us a little bit about what your role is? So, All Japan Judo Federation has to nominate for the sports manager's position. Then,、uh, so I got this appointment. So, Yamashita so asked my university chairman to borrow me. <laughs> 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 <Lent> . Right. 
So, 33 Olympic events to、uh, Paralympic events. So, so actually, I work for the both Olympics and Paralympics as a sports manager in judo. Sports manager's role is to manage、uh, FOP, field of play, on the map. Okay. So, we have actually we have、uh, 52 functional area, like department in the organization. Wow. <laughs> like accommodation, sport. Food and beverages, sustainability. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, I'm a chairperson of the sport function area in judo.、So. Well, the world is excited to、uh, be back in the Nippon Budokan for the same location as the 1964 Olympics, right? Yes. Yes. And then, training venue is、uh, Kodokan. <laughs> Okay. Is there anything you can tell us about any challenges that you've had? I mean, other than the obvious, I mean, COVID 19 has shaken up the world. And I think、uh, a sport like judo, we're in a very, very tough position because of this virus. It stretched out your job.、Uh, Mr. Yamashita had to borrow you for one year. Now he needs to borrow you for one more year, right? <laughs> <Yes> Extra time. <laughs> so, so, can you tell us about the inner workings or you know, any big projects right now?、Uh, of course,、uh, as you said, how to cope with、uh, COVID 19. Actually, we. I've been working、uh, for that. And then, how to manage the, or decrease the infection?、Um, like, uh, so, the COVID 19 spread out. How we keep the players clean situation from the airport to the、uh, Olympic Village and Olympic Village to the Toringo venue or Nippon、uh, Dokan, something like this. Yeah. As I said,、uh, The first thing is、uh, we have 52 functional areas. Usually, they have never had the experience to、uh, organize a sports event before. Wow. <laughs> And they... So, the many people from the、uh, Tokyo Metropolitan Government they don't know, but they know how to make the things complicated. Right. <laughs> yeah. So. The IJF is, is starting to、uh, go back 10 days. It's the、uh, Grand Slam in、uh, Budapest, which you know, the world is excited to see. And, and obviously, there's some challenges for the organizers there that are, are hopefully they do a good job because I think the world is watching to see that, that things go safely. And that's the most important thing is to make sure that the athletes and you know, the referees and all of the volunteers that, that are you know, part of this event. You know, go through and it's a safe environment.、Um, I, I did notice that I didn't see the Japanese team on the, the roster. Are the Japanese not sending a team to、uh, Budapest? No, because、uh, still、uh, we have some、uh, government regulation. So when back, we come back from the foreign countries, so we have to stay certain time at the hotel or、right. at our house. Uh, uh, Recently, so government、uh, has been changing that,、uh, those things. We can start to send a team to maybe end of、uh, this year or next, I mean, next year. IJF is going to host a Masters right? Right. in January. Where, where so, is that tournament going to be? Doha. Okay. Yeah,、yes. and then I think there's another、uh, a big tournament which is uh, in, uh, in Tel Aviv, maybe. I think is a, a Grand Slam in Tel Aviv in January, maybe. But、uh, still, they haven't 
uh, decided uh, if they host uh, Tel Aviv or those uh, Grand Slam parties or Grand Slam Düsseldorf, those uh, regular tournaments. Yeah. But uh, they already decided that uh, have a, a master Doha. Okay. Doha in middle of January. Erica, we're always talking and telling stories and everyone's, um, you know, especially all of us that are fans of sports in general. I mean, the Olympics is every four years. It's postponed. There's a lot of athletes that have been training their whole lives. And there's this little piece of people that think there's a chance that maybe it doesn't happen. Could you give me your thoughts on that? Postponement, I mean, nobody could know. Yeah. So that's right. Uh, this is equal system for everybody players all over the world. As far as Japan is concerned, you guys are going forward 100% right now as if the tournament is 100% going to happen and we all hope that that, that is the case. Yes, and then, of course, we try to make the game success. So then, actually, I'm in the hopes now at the organizing committee. I, I believe it's all the uh, workers here Babe, never, I mean, uh, doubts. I mean, we can, we have to yes. organize the Olympics and Paralympics next year, next summer. Yeah. Have you guys talked about the possibility that people are discussing is maybe the Olympics happen, but maybe there's no fans? Is that something that you guys are discussing? Yes. We haven't decided anything about the spectators yet, if they are on the venue or not, but it's possible. We yeah. are not going to have a spectator at all. We really want to host the games for uh, players. Yeah. And also, once we, I mean, we, we can host the games and then TV viewers can see. For sure. Yeah, I think that everyone's excited about that. You know, I was talking to, to Vlad about the, um, you know, the social media aspect, and they plan to be there in a big way with social media to try to promote the event you know, online the best they can. So, you know, the world is, is able to, you know, get our enjoyment of, of watching, you know, all these amazing athletes. Yes. Yes. So, um, as far as COVID goes, is, is uh, judo practice in Japan? Is it, is it resumed at this point? Is the national team doing randori or is it still? Actually, so now we practice, uh, randori too. And then, but, uh, uh, I'm around the April or March at the time, so we cannot practice judo at all. So, so how long did the national just, team go with no judo practice? I could say from March to June. Wow. At the time, they couldn't be on the mat. Right. But uh, I'm uh, a dojo or a club, so started practice judo from June. So, but uh, in the beginnings, like shadow. Sure. <laughs> shadow uchikomi, along uchikomi. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is uh, my judo club as well. I've been teaching judo on Zoom, you know, for half a year now. You know, I never, I never would have thought uh -huh. that that was the case. But, you know, I have a lot of students that are sticking with judo. And, you know, we, we now we train at the park. So we're allowed to go outside, but not judo. We do, you know, physical training just to kind of keep the kids active and, try to keep them healthy so they can do judo and in a good way when they come back. So, but it's been fun to watch uh, all the creativity on the internet with all of the different people and the training, you know, systems, a lot of, even the Japanese players have been watching a lot of their off the mat training. Yes. It's fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. And then, so 
オールジャパン自動フェデレーション、そう、リアリーフォーカスオン、スプレッティングアウトだった自動ビデオ、そう、ラストイヤーズワールドチャンピオンシップス、ライクティームチャンピオンシップ、ライクグッドハイライト、ライトゥザジャパニーズ、そう、ゼナルジャパニーズ、そう、パブリック、そう、あずいのさ、Japanese Federation's、uh, officials had the、uh, COVID 19. Right.、So、It was scary. Two, yeah, two thirds of the officials really had the,、so、the COVID 19. So, wow. But I, they know how difficult this disease is. is however, so they really、uh, felt so what,、uh, we have to do something、yeah. good for judo. So, have a new program. Right. Yeah. Well, if, if anybody can do it, you guys can do it. And、um, man, we're, we're all super excited. You know, we've been talking about the Olympics so much. You know, we thought it was going to happen. And now we're just kind of, even as fans and people like me that just love the sport, you know, we're excited to, you know, seeing what's going to happen. And a lot of the athletes, you know, some of them are not able to train like they used to. So, you know, I'm interested to see even next week in Budapest how the tournament looks. Most of the athletes. Haven't been able to train the way they're normally training. So I think it could be different. We'll see how it goes. Actually, it's a Kodokan Cup national championship, end of the, this month. Okay. So, October. Yes. We'll host the Grand Slam Budapest and then we host the Kodokan Cup. Yeah. So it's a domestic championship set. Right. It's a good, for, good practice, I think, for everybody. Yes. After. Uh, these steps,、uh, we hope so. We are going to have a good Olympics next month. This has been a lot of fun, Mr. Yamada. I wanted to kind of change things up a little bit and talk about your personal life. I know you've got three kids, I also have three kids, and I think a lot of our listeners are parents of judoka. and I'd be super curious to get a little bit of parental advice not advice as the sensei Yamada, but as the father. How do you treat Judo with your family? Are you making your kids do judo or did you give them the choice to do other sports?、Um, if you can kind of let us know how you've navigated the judo world with your own family. Okay. So actually, I didn't、uh, make him go to the dojo. I mean, the oldest one. So I asked him and he said he wants. To practice judo. Okay, then, okay, I have、uh, many good connections in judo. Right, right. <laughs> so, <laughs> then, so I introduced him to the judo dojo, whereas、uh, my friend, so, Ram.、Uh, but I, I didn't push、um, my boys. So, then I let the、uh, sensei at the dojo teach the、uh, uh, boys. So, I, I've seen many fathers or mothers who used to practice judo, so push their kids so hard. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and they scored them in front of the many audience. Sure. Like, What are you doing now? Hi, come on. Sometimes, of course. <laughs> yeah. I would say that. And then sometimes I say, I said. <laughs> yeah. But you know, I try to be calm and then just, I want to be,、uh, his, I just want to support so, the, my boys. Yeah. yeah if, so they really want to be 
like a top player. Then, then if you ask me to teach, of course I try to help. Yeah. But uh, uh, I don't want to. Okay, you should do this. Blah blah blah. This you have to. What are doing now? I don't want to. <laughs> I think it's a it's a fine line because I I coach my boys. I have a lot of other senseis at the dojo, and you know even when we go to judo tournaments, I typically let my other senseis sit in the coach's chair for my kids because one is like I I really enjoy watching them do judo. And I, I enjoy it much more from further away. You know, sitting mm-hmm. in the coach's chair, I feel a little bit too connected. I get a little bit upset and I, I don't want that feeling and I don't want that to be our connection with judo. So I do coach them in the dojo, but uh, Matt side for the tournament lately, I've been trying to separate a little bit and let my other other senseis at my dojo take care of it. And that way I can kind of sit back and and be dad and, and enjoy them watching them, you know, go through the process. I agree with you 100%. So, and then, uh, so I have the same feeling you have. So, yeah. And then our sons want to practice judo more, I mean, harder, want to be uh, a good, uh, strong judo player. So, of course, uh, we support them. But uh, we don't want to push them good. to do that. So, Very good. if they want, okay, we will support. If they don't want, Okay, whatever you want to do. Right. But of course, I'm, I'm really happy if they <laughs> keep practicing judo. So. so this question is going to be a little bit more difficult. Um, you've, you've spent a lifetime in judo and you've had ambition for your own personal career, chased your own judo dreams as a fighter, then as a coach. You've been an administrator for, you know, helping the the sport grow at many levels. You've traveled the world. What kind of things keep you motivated now? Do you still love judo like you loved judo 20 years ago? And where do you see yourself with judo in the next 10 or 15 years? Yeah, I I say I love judo because I, I've been, I mean, loving, I, I love judo. And without judo, uh, even I, I don't know you. <laughs> we don't have uh, this opportunity. So, because of judo, I could have uh, many friends all over the world, and then I'm like I'm I'm working for the organizing committee of Olympics and Paralympics, and then work for the Japan Judo Federation. So, as a vice chairman of the national team committee. So, with that judo, my life's totally different. That judo, my life was yeah, very different. So I really say I love judo, and then I really appreciate. So I could meet, I could practice judo. And so uh, next ten days, uh, no, no, not ten, ten years, <laughs> next ten years. So I, I want to uh, focus on. Would like to work for the judo diffusion again in Japan. So. Like you said, the number of the practitioners in judo, players in judo are decreasing so rapidly in Japan. Of course, uh, now young generations, I mean, population of the young generation is also decreasing. So we have to compete with other big sports like baseball or soccer, football sure. in Japan. So, but uh, still, so this is uh, also Mr. Yamashita's uh, like. Uh, purpose uh, I mean big uh, dream if the uh, boys and girls bring the judogi with big proud 
Yeah. <laughs> Everybody wants, oh, they are practicing judo. They are doing good things. <laughs> right. All right. This is the last question. It's going to be a two-part question. I wanted to see if there's any athletes in particular that you're excited to see fight next summer. And then as far as teams go, I want to see if there's any favorite teams or any teams in particular that you're expecting big things from next summer at the Games of 2021. Yep, I can say uh, uh, you guys should watch uh, Shohei Ono, under 73. So he's not a young player right now, but uh, uh, then this postponement of Olympics, usually, I mean, for the veterans, judo players, is not good. But he doesn't care. He, he keeps focusing. Yeah. So the uh, just uh, day of the Olympics comes even this year or next year doesn't matter so we want to see uh, how he competes how he shows his judo and then and then one thing so the Ulf Aron so the Japanese under 100 kilogram players uh, he's going to compete in the next Olympics and he's from my team he's from your team our team so and around he's a half uh, Japanese and I mean he's a Japanese American. Right. His father is uh, American, so he's a good like example. Well, does, <laughs> does he Indian have a Asian. does he have an American citizenship? Obviously, right. I think so, but uh, he chose I think Japanese no, citizenship, we're, but we're, uh, his father is uh, American. We're gonna take him away for 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, please right. ask me first. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Outside of Japan, yeah, now we have many good players we can see. I can say the women's French judo players. They're so strong. So, yes. And then also, the, of course, the Russian men's judo team and uh, Georgians. Yeah. So now it's not easy to win the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, but this is an interesting situation. So, like you said, that uh, Mr. Juro Kano wanted to create, wanted to see. Right. So, not only Japanese win. <laughs> right. But also other players. Then we fight hard and then become better players, each other. Mr. Yamada, it's been an absolute pleasure. Say hello to the family. Thank you so much for doing this. And um, I hope to see you in Japan when all of the uh, world clears up and we're all safe again. I'm going to bring my family to to visit you in Japan. Yes. Uh, you are more than welcome. So I'm waiting Thank you. the opportunity to come. So all thank right. you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to JudoCast. Please remember to hit the subscribe button on your podcast app. For show notes and additional content, visit JudoCast.com. That's J-U-D-O-Cast.com.